This month, the Book Recos podcast is sponsored by our lovely sustainable friends at Jungle Culture. Jess, I'd not heard of Jungle Culture before they got in touch with us, did you? Yes, they'd actually been on my radar for a little while because, as you know, buying homeware is pretty much a hobby for me at this point. And what I love about Jungle Culture is that every single one of their products is stylish, sustainable and ethically sourced. Like a lot of people, I'm trying to reduce the amount of plastic I buy and Jungle Culture are making that so much easier for everyone. They work with farmers and artisans in Southeast Asia to make the majority of their products and use locally sourced organic materials like reclaimed wood and bamboo and upcycling coconut shells into their beautiful bowls and candles. And of course, Jungle Culture wouldn't be sponsoring if we couldn't give an honest reco. And some of our fave of their products include the eco washing up brushes, because it really makes me upset whenever I have to throw away a plastic one. So I'm so excited to make the switch. Game changing. For me, it's their reusable makeup remover pads using a blend of sustainable bamboo and organic cotton fibre, which are buttery soft, reusable and great if you have sensitive skin like I do. All of their products are 100% plastic free and either fully recyclable or biodegradable. So if you want to do your bit for the planet whilst helping a small family run UK business, check out some of their gorgeous lifestyle and homeware products. And because they're lovely, they've offered Book Recos listeners a 25% discount off their first purchase for the whole of November. When you join the Jungle Culture community, you'll get exclusive access to deals and offers throughout the year, including their Black Friday sale, which is coming up, as well as tips and inspiration on how to live plastic free easily. So visit the link in the show notes or use the code book25 at checkout for 25% off orders over £10. And don't forget to show us what you buy. autumn is the perfect time for dystopians absolutely when it's dark outside let's just make it even darker by reading really bleak books hey yeah and I read both of these at the same time so did I actually yeah and at the t- I wasn't having a good time mentally and I'll actually come on to it but I was like am I really trying to escape the real world here by being yeah. in not one but two dystopians like, and wild. both quite bleak let's be honest yeah and also both I think because they're both actually about very real problems I think that's it yeah exactly like may not be dystopian yeah exactly and that's why I think today's like it is dystopian but it's kind of an unconventional dystopian in my opinion because they're both also very real and not completely alternate universes yeah one of them is actually the current universe, but magnified. And I'd say the other one is going to be our universe. 
Yeah. So should we start with the one that probably is going to be our, well, hopefully not, but could very well be our universe, which is The Future by Naomi Alderman. Um, and we really wanted to read this one because we had read Naomi's last book, which was also a dystopian, and that's called The Power. And it's a book where women get this sort of power, like electric shock kind of power in their fingers, and they can harm men with that sort of electricity. And so as a result, it flips the gender roles on its head and women hold all of the power and are the dominant sex. So Naomi does dystopian very well, I'd say quite complexly but very intriguing. So we were keen to read this latest book, which published just last week at the time of recording. So Lauren, do you want to drop the synopsis before we go any further? I sure do. The future, as the richest people on the planet have discovered, is where the money is. The future is a few billionaires leading the world to destruction while safeguarding their own survival with secret, lavish bunkers. The future is private weather, technological prophecy, and highly de- deniable weapons the future is a handful of friends the daughter of a cult leader a non-binary hacker an ousted silicon valley visionary the concerned wife of a dangerous ceo and an internet famous survivalist hatching a daring plan it could be the greatest heist ever or the cataclysmic end of civilization the future is what you see if you don't look behind you the future is the only reason to do anything the only object of desire the future is here it's a good synopsis. it is a good synopsis. it's it? a, equally though it's a very wordy intricate synopsis, which is just like the book Mm-hmm. And as I was, I really struggled to get into it, but not in a, oh, I'm not interested in what is going on. I was so interested in what is going on. Yeah. But there's like four different characters to follow and they've all got big jobs and big made up companies. And I was just like, I just want, I want to be in this world. Just put me in it now. Like I'm desperate to yeah. get in, but it was struggled to get in. How was it for you? Um, I loved it. I have to say. And you know, some books you read and the movie is playing in your head, mm. but the movie already exists for me. And now I'm like, well, someone now needs to make that movie because this is going to work so well on screen. So I think well. a bit better than it does as a book. And I almost feel like it was written with a movie deal already in mind. And the book is just, you know, like uh, the first draft, if you like. Um but I guess like what the plot doesn't say, well, it it says that there are, it is it three or four billionaires? Four, I think. Four billionaires who basically run the world by controlling all of the world's economies. And it's not dissimilar from where we're heading, which is why Jess has said this could be our future because you've got like a social media company that run everything you've got a healthcare company that that have a a huge economy as well and then you've got a couple of others and essentially there was one moment in the book which I found so interesting where um hackers got into one of the um one of the companies and it went down for 20 seconds and in that 20 seconds you saw the effects of how that played out globally and like one of the things was well for 20 seconds um the internet went down so this country this third world country could not couldn't connect with their provider for um health vaccines so it meant that 
no one was able to pick up the vaccines that day, which then meant that 20,000 people died of this virus or whatever. And I, just, I don't know, I just thought it was such a, she, she's made such a like complex world that's also so believable that's run by basically four people and four companies. Yeah. Well, while I was reading it, I was like, so this is Zuckerberg. So this is Bezos. Yeah. So this is Musk. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, that is what she's yeah. done, right? Um, Which is why it's, it's like, is this exactly. our world? And is this it's really where we're headed? Fantastic. In yeah. a not so subtle way. Um, no, I found it really interesting. And I, what I loved about it as well is I don't know what year it was set in we can assume it's like sort of maybe 20 years from today and they talk about the coronavirus and everyone's like, mm. Oh God, do you remember that when the coronavirus ha happened and everybody thought that was like awful um, because they just couldn't go out for a while. Like that was just the tip of the iceberg from where this book is set and the apocalyptic setting that starts wiping out civilization. Yeah. And I think, I wonder if this was like seeing how the world got shut down and like no one, no one was really prepared for a pandemic, despite coronavirus not being the first pandemic there's ever been. I wonder if like that inspired any of this book because what ends like they are almost like doomsday preppers in this book. They're not because doomsday preppers are insane, but there's like an element of that. Yeah, and I wonder if like she was like, okay, there was no prepare preparation for this current lockdown situation yeah and now I is that going to send think, everyone mad yeah it's a chunky chunky book so she's probably been writing this for a couple of years mm. so she was probably writing this during the pandemic yeah that's what I think which is actually really dark that you wrote a book about a apocalyptic but so much like, content all around you everything is copy man <laughs> yeah let's make this pandemic work for me um we're also making this out we don't know that for a fact i don't think there's acknowledgements because we've got proof copies no, no there isn't no. um so maybe in the finished yeah. one there is that um and one of the companies i've just remembered was like a ripoff of like basically what reddit is um mm. and so there were loads of survivalist groups sharing their conspiracy theories um and relating it back to bible passages don't know about you but didn't read any of them so i read the first one and was like this absolutely cannot be relevant and if it is i'm happy to treat this as a dream scene and just deal with it when it comes but then very very strangely i read one of them and it is the one that feeds into the actual plot and I was like, wow, so weird that this is the one I did choose to read because this one you then sort of uncover. So they're all using like anonymous names and whatever. And then you sort of find out who the anonymous names are. And I was like, yeah. absolutely wild that I've gone for this one. So I would say like maybe the first two thirds of the book, you can absolutely bypass the Bible passages and then pick them up in like the last third. Yeah. I mean, I loved it, but there was a part of like, it feels a little bit like a first draft, not a first draft, that's rude. Um, it feels unfinished and maybe it is because we do have proof copies. So further edits might have been made, but I think that was like, it, it just felt very chunky, unnecessarily so. I think it could have been chopped down a bit. 
but is that the, so there's a lot of action in the book mm. and is that like you were like it's it would be better as a film yeah. that's really easy to visualize in a film but to write it must Maybe. take a lot of words like there's the shopping center bit also actually I'm going to stop myself right there to talk about the shopping center because I was just saying to Lauren that I'd folded down a few pages and went back and like couldn't remember why I folded them but one of the pages was about this shopping center that honestly I'd quite like to (laughs) exist and to go to so it's the world's largest retail mega mall it's called seasons I think it's called seasons time in seasons time it's always your time but more accurately it was always no time whatever Different parts of the mall kept up a constant artificial version of one season or another. Religious festivals, natural events and national celebrations crowded together in no particular order in accordance with the agnosticism of the marketplace. Like Disneyland, it was always time for a parade and January sales came around once every 85 hours for an hour on a schedule only posted on the season's time. It's your time app. According to various providers of tepid, I won't bother going on, but I feel like that's very fun and I would like to get on board with it. Yeah, I feel like someone should pitch that to a, a, a super, not a supermarket, a shopping like Westfield. Center. Yeah, like death of the high street. This is how you tackle it. Yeah, every 85 hours, an hour sale. Hello. Yeah, that's going to get people back in your yeah. doors. And I'd like a random parade every now and then. That would be great. Mm-hmm. I could skip the parade personally. <laughs> I'm a Disney girl. I think it's because yeah. it got likened to Disneyland. I was like, it's all, it's all ringing true now. Um, <laughs> So yeah, there's like a big action scene that happens in that. There's also, we can't say what it is, but I I can visualize it all and what happens and whatever. And yeah, you're right. It'd be a good film, but I guess maybe I can visualize it because it was so detailed. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I actually didn't. I only, it's so unlike me, I only underlined one quote on the whole book. And I think that's because it's so action-based. It's not really about the language at all. No. Yeah, um, also there's, even though there's really intricate language, like agnosticism, I just said, what the fuck? Yeah, it's not like poetically written, no. but you don't read a, a dystopian for that, do yeah. you? Um, I just liked this quote. We, and I think it stood out because it was so different in writing style to the rest of the book. Um, they laughed as children do when they're thrown high into the air. We are falling all the time from the half understood past to the unknowable future. The other name for falling without fear is flying. I really liked that. Hmm. It just took, um, maybe it's because I've got Disney on the brain, but I just thought of Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> it's falling with style. <laughs> That's what I got. Um, what I want to say is the best thing about this book is the plot twist that we obviously can't talk about but it is really fucking good and I didn't see it coming no maybe because I I was just so confused in this world but yeah I mean I knew some kind of twist was coming but I didn't foresee it being that and it's also a very complicated twist that Mm. keeps twisting yeah so you think you aren't you you think you've gotten the twist and then it will twist again yeah uh, twist again um but yeah just the idea of like these rich world's richest people creating bunkers for themselves in you know isolated parts of the world f- to survive the apocalypse like it, it's it's believable yeah they all own private islands yeah of course they've got them yeah um so speaking of it we've mentioned it being good for screen 
I actually realized that I still haven't watched the adaptation of The Power, which, as I mentioned, is the first book and it's on Prime. Have you? I have watched one episode. Um, wasn't a fan. Mm. Found it really slow and very, like, good cast. I think the, the casting's really good. But in terms of, like, the plot and everything, I just wasn't really following it and just found myself like completely switched off um but I do want to read the first quote of the series because I think that then ties us really nicely into the next book we're going to talk about so quote of the series as in from the tv show yes oh okay Uh, so the opening quote of the tv show and it might be from the book as well I can't remember is we never dared to imagine it a world that was built for us and side note this is being voiced over by a, a woman We never dared to imagine it, a world that was built for us, where we make the rules, where we can take what we wanted, where we were not afraid, where we were the ones to be feared. Which I thought was very powerful, considering this, the power is all about a world where women are the dominant sex. And then we come on to You Can Be So Pretty, which is supposedly a world where there's gender equality. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to it. And then we can analyze the two comparatively yeah. at the end. I don't even know if that sentence makes sense. I'm just in a Naomi audio wordy place. Okay, so the next reco is You Could Be So Pretty by Holly Bourne, um, who is prolific in the young adult space. Um, but she has written a few adult books and we had her on the podcast talk about girlfriends last year. But this is back into the YA realm, which I did. I mean, I think it's back in the YA realm because the two main characters are teenagers, but otherwise like anyone everyone would enjoy this so i'm going to drop the snob for this one uh beauty comes at a price and girls must pay in bell and Joni's world there are two options for girls one follow the rules of the doctrine like bell apply your mask work hard to be crowned at the ceremony be a pretty or two fight the rules like Joni. leave your face bare work hard to escape to the education be an objectionable but maybe there is a third option if Belle and Joni work together, can they destroy the rules and set themselves free? Mm. So in this dystopian, we have, as Jess mentioned, the doctrine, which outlines like the promise, it, the, this promise that the bad times are over and essentially the bad times are, I guess, like today's world mm. and everything up until today um, where the bad times being that or the the period set after the bad times being a world where there's gender equality and it provides guidelines on how girls can um act in this new age of empowerment and it's not a law but everyone has a quote-unquote choice on how they take the rules of of the supposed guidelines of this doctrine on board and there's so much like vocab to describe how this new world operates. So we've got like words like Jess mentioned, mask means makeup and vanilla means you're a virgin. Invisible means you're an older woman, supposedly past their t- their prime. And you've uh, everyone is, it's a world where everyone is on social media and uploads like photos every day um 
and use like varnished Photoshop their pictures. Objectionables are the what uh, the character of Joni in the synopsis would be called, someone who has rejected the doctrine entirely. Um, and essentially the doctrine states that getting unwanted attention is desirable and very lucky and gratifying for a woman. Um, and you get validation by posting your photos online. And um, that's it in a nutshell, would you say? Anything to add? Yeah, the- no, I, I think that's it. I think it covers so much because there is so much to discuss about being a woman and all the pressures. So I thought maybe for this, we actually split it into three categories, which I would say are like body image and looks in general. Yeah. Then one on aging and then one on men. Yeah. Because there's... First, I've got some absolutely fantastic quotes for each of those, but I think then we'll be able to make sure nothing is no stone, no stone is left unturned, and there's like yeah. so much to unpack. And yeah, I think having it, you don't need a um, I'm going to call it a glossary, but that's not you don't need a dictionary to be like vanilla equals virgin because as you're reading it, it's so obvious what the words are that and the context they're yeah, used. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. So shall we start with body image? And looks, yes which is probably the main premise because it's called you could be so pretty yeah do you want to kick us off with your quote yeah well well there's just got, there's just so many there's just so many folded pages here but um no actually what I will kick off with is the fact that so I read this when like in the month before my wedding when I felt an unruly amount of pressure that I'd only applied on myself that I had to look a certain way and it got me really down um and it's because I think I, I'm someone that can't take compliments and like going to weddings I always be like oh my god hi to the bride I'll be like hi congratulations you look amazing and I didn't firstly didn't think I couldn't cope with that many people saying it but also I didn't what well, I wanted to believe it mm. because everyone just said I know I say it to everyone I mean obviously everyone does look amazing but um I wanted to actually be able to believe it and so I was putting a lot of pressure on myself that I had to be this be that dress had to fit perfectly blah 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 and got really down so I guess you could say that this book came at the perfect time but also it didn't because I ideally would have read it before that and not when I was spiraling mm. because then I it actually just made me feel stupid <laughs> all very much a I me problem stupid is a very hard word because I think the whole point of this book is it puts under a microscope the feelings women have today regardless to a heightened degree and I think calling yourself stupid for feeling like that is actually like no you're just a product of a patriarchal society essentially and of course we've been conditioned to think these things and believe these things and this book is putting that on its head yeah yeah But then to read, like, I was not having an okay time. And so I was just reading all this stuff and I was like, stupid idiot. (laughs) Why do I care? It's going to be an objectionable at my wedding. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, that's my mindset at this time of reading. And so, yeah, there's just so many amazing one-liners. Unfortunately, it was too late for me. And I wish I'd read it like two months before. But let me find some of my fantastic ones. Okay, so we got, oh, I know exactly what one I'm coming up to here. Wait for this. Brace yourselves, buckle in, put your seatbelts on. Think about how, oh no, I won't use this line because it could be a spoiler. Just take a face, 
any human girl's face, then list all the things the doctrine has told us that can be wrong with it. There's your skin. No blemishes, no pores, no dryness, must glow, must emit light, even though that's physically impossible. No redness, have the right amount of melanin. Then there's the size of your forehead. Can't be too big or too small. If it is, cover it with a mask or your hair, eyes. I could talk for 10 minutes just about everything the doctrine has to say about what should be happening with your eyes. Is it the shape of them? Big, small, arm and circle, not too googly or close together. What are your eyelids like? Are they hooded? They shouldn't be hooded. How long are your eyelashes? They need to be long, not only long, but thick and dark at the top as well as the bottom. Are the bags under your eyes dark circles? Are the eyeballs themselves too red? Must spray something in them to make them white. Are there wrinkles around them? Must prevent them or get rid of them, even though they're a scientific inevitable for all of us ignore that and delete them with creams and empower and it just goes on and like the fact that i mean honestly it goes on for a three whole pages this whole section and it's just about the face yeah there's also hair body boobs feet fat like height like so much yeah. and it's just so confronting to read it all in one book mm -hmm. and what do they call exercise in this again body prayer or body oh so I assumed that was yeah I can't remember body attack body combat I don't know I think I'm just listing Les Mills classes now no it was definitely something like body prayer yeah it had like turned it into like oh you're like looking after your body and it's like appreciating your body but it was actually like you need to get rid of sin which is what they call fat or cellulite um but like it was it's basically like everything we have today heightened and put under like someone's just marketed it so that it it we make it out like it's a good thing that you um look your best and your body mm -hmm. looks great and blah 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 and actually and like financially they they do tackle here like the cost of of being a woman and having to um abide by these guidelines which aren't guidelines because if you reject them you become an outcast essentially um and so then women become so dependable on men um which is why I think I found this book quite difficult to um like I didn't really understand how the doctrine is meant to be accepted by everybody in this dystopian environment as a gender balance I think because they don't really touch on what it was like before yeah but I, I guess they she didn't need to to get all these points across that she's making but yeah. I think we're supposed to imagine like the 1950s Got you. Mm. from like it the was... way that women couldn't even have jobs and that kind of yeah. stuff I'll um read a quote that I took down actually um which is about body image she might be nice to look at but she's starving and she's weak and she's exhausted and she's terrified and no matter how much she wins she still hates herself and worries she's not good enough and doesn't live a damn fucking day inside her body enjoying her life and instead watches herself like she's having some kind of freaking out out of body experience which yeah, like you say, it's a tough read, this one, because there are so many things that, um, not all women, certainly, but a lot of women and men will identify with and see themselves in. And like you say, think 
fall into the trap of thinking oh my god I'm so stupid for for doing all of this um uh yeah it's a hard yeah. look isn't it yeah but a good one and a needed yeah. one and I think definitely good because it is what it is YA great yeah. for a young audience to definitely, read definitely definitely um and interesting your point just then about saying men because I know that there's 100 percent pressures on men to look they have to be big and bulky and all these things or whatever um however the next section of aging definitely not applicable no apart so from like maybe like balding or whatever but women are, do become invisible when they get older in a way that men absolutely don't it's almost the reverse so shall we move on to aging yeah okay my quote is actually quite positive on, on aging <laughs> maybe i'll save it for the end of aging discussion <laughs> But um, we see it most in, well, both of their mums, actually. But let's talk about Belle's mum. Belle's mum, oh, I just feel, I just feel for her. I mean, firstly, she is the reason Belle is the way she is because she's had all these beliefs pumped into her. So she is almost like Belle's keeper and like, don't eat that. Oh, let's let's do this together. Let's make sure you look, you, you look perfect, whatever. Like she absolutely doesn't help Belle. I mean, she helps her in the sense of being seen as perfect, which is the goal in this universe. But it's because she's so upset about becoming an invisible herself and doesn't want to become one and spends a lot of money that they do not have on surgery and ends up making herself really ill and even more in debt. dying. Yeah. And And has to cover up the fact that she's having surgery from her husband because mm. the society makes you believe that you need to just not abide by a like the rules of aging that happen to everybody so you just have to be this sort of inhumane creature who magically doesn't age and all the things you do to make sure that your aging becomes invisible doesn't become knowable has to be done in secret but it also costs you an absolute fortune so she has this uh really intense surgery um but has to keep it uh, hidden from her husband she nearly dies on the surgery table doesn't tell her husband he's away on a work trip and then when he does come back has to actually uh risk the scar like the effects of the surgery being successful by covering her face in her mask which is makeup so that it's not obvious that she's had surgery um which is really sad yeah it's really sad and so then I guess the opposite is Joni's mum. Yeah. Who actually now I'll read my quote. What page is this on? 187. It says, um, so Belle says, and where did you get oh actually this isn't from Joni's mum, this is from Oh, I, I think I know what bit you're gonna read. Yeah. Um, so a group of older women who Joni's mum hangs out with. Who are um, object and and Belle's yeah Belle asked her and where did you get these ones about her wrinkles she says oh these these are my anger lines these might be my favorite actually these lines represent all the times over the years where my body knew I deserve better than what I was getting 
These lines are my self-respect radar. Whenever I'm angry, I feel my most powerful because it's the emotion that creeps up on you when you know you're being swindled. It takes a lot of self-worth to be angry and it takes a lot of bravery to be angry when you look like me. These lines are my pride and joy. And so Belle is like, what the fuck is going on? What are all these women doing that look their own age and don't care about it? And they're all just so happy, so free taking pride in smile lines and laugh lines and anger lines and all these yeah. things um and it's eye-opening for her and also eye-opening for Joni to see Belle in that space yeah and I loved like they had this from that scene they had this like little ceremony where Joni's mum made everyone paint their wrinkles in gold so that you could see they turned something that society had told them was beautiful into like these gorgeous magical um like aspects to their face and like in my head it looked so beautiful yeah yeah and I was like you know what she's not wrong like it's all just marketing yeah yeah I found that very hard to and like on the thing about invisibility like um it reminded me of a conversation I was having with my um, boyfriend recently about we were watching the season finale of last. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say in case no one's watched it. We were watching Craze Across the World and there were a few. I'm not going to spoil in case no one's watched it um, last season, but there's a two elderly women, not elderly. They're in their like 50s, I think. Um, middle-aged women women (laughs) who are racing together their best friends and uh you know they're they're really good and they were using their invisibility to their power because they sort of it became their game plan that you know no one notices two middle-aged women they don't think of them as a threat they don't think of them as uh, people who could win they just don't see them and they use that to their advantage when they were like trying to get from one place to the other by like playing into the fact that oh we're just we're just we're just two old ladies like please can you help us out blah 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 and they did fucking amazing and they used their invisibility to their power and I think it was like really empowering to watch on telly that you know these they, they yeah I don't want to say any more without spoiling. Yeah, but this is kind of what we spoke about with Alexandra Potter. And I, and I talked about the book I was reading literally called Invisible Women's Club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, again, really great for a YA audience to read because ageing is not going to be on their minds, nor should it be, but it will eventually. And so we can like... If you can reframe it these from beliefs. a young age. Yeah, hopefully yeah. it never comes um so moving on to men which actually is I mean obviously the topic of men was going to be prolific throughout but the reason Belle and Joni's worlds collide is because Belle is attacked by a man and he tries to get her into his car and because she's dressed a certain way she's going to school in her very high heels and very I'm going to use the word provocative but I don't mean that as a 
slight on Belle um, outfit. And so the man is like, oh, you've dressed like this for me, get in my car. And she's like, I don't really want to do that. And it's Joni that jumps in to save the day. Um, and so that's how yes, their worlds yeah. collide. And I've got a yeah. quote actually that's just after that, which is really the first time Belle's eyes have ever been opened because she was really, really scared, but still has the belief of like, well, aren't I doing this for the male gaze? And so Joni says to her, um, she says, you think it makes you look pretty, but it's actually to make you weak. She says, those shoes, Joni points at my dirty bare feet. You wore them because they make your legs look long and slim. You think they complement your body and finish off your look. But have you ever thought why shoes like that get the most validation? It's because they weaken you. They're bad for your health, your mobility. It's because they make it harder to function, to even go from A to B and live your life to the fullest and without pain. Those shoes make it harder to run from danger. Just like those ridiculous tight denims you're wearing made it impossible to scale those fences. Again, it's about making you physically weaker, especially as you have to be hungry all the time in order to fit into them. Holy shit, man. <laughs> Some hard truths on page 38 for Belle there. <laughs> and yeah, because Belle doesn't see it like that because the doctrine has taught women, conditioned men and women to believe that any attention is desirable and should be you should feel lucky and gratified whether it's attention from a man you want or attention from a man you don't want you need to be you should be grateful either way that you're getting attention um it actually reminded me this book of the conversation we had with uh Holly Bourne when we were interviewing her about girlfriends and she started talking about Andrew Tate and sort of the world he is trying to create and the brainwashing he's doing to young men and I think now that's really interesting how she was speaking about that because I I think in her mind at that time she was probably writing this book yeah. and and in her mind like that's you know if Andrew Tate had his way this would be the world that we live we're living in and it's brainwashing because you're telling women that no no no, it's this is all a good thing um but actually it's just to serve men um yeah yeah I think um also maybe worth saying so it sounds like because we're like here here and here age looks whatever there is a storyline that goes through the whole thing and it's kind of in there's this ceremony which Lauren mentioned earlier which is kind of treated like a bit like prom night but then also like basically the three prettiest girls are going to be picking the three most handsome boys or whatever so it's also like a bit of a weird pairing and you want to be the best one and then you'll be able to get the best man so it's there's like this extra it's not just about looks it's also then about like giving a giving yourself away or whatever I don't know so it's it's kind of the lead up to all of that and over that time Joni's like I I've got to save Belle from this. Like she, she, her eyes need to be opened to what this is. And so that's kind of going along with it. And they're also both mm -hmm. trying out for an education scholarship. And everyone's like to Belle, why on earth do you need this? Like you're, you're pretty, you don't need education, but Belle's because her family um, is so tight for money. She's like, I just want something to fall back on. And she's a super intelligent girl, but no one cares because she's so pretty. Yeah. Um, I do have another quote under the topic of men. Go on. This is page 283. 
I need to remember what it is because I just made a note of the page number. Um, what could it be? Only girls. Oh, oh, I remember now. So this then, I mean, of course, a teenager wouldn't know this, but we reading it as 30 year olds um, know this. Not that we really have to do much, but. It says, oh, sorry, it's not the microphone. I mean, girls and women often take on the most essential roles we need to keep our society going, whether that's by having the children we need and raising them or nursing sick people or nursing elderly people, whether that's keeping homes running and clean and keeping everybody fed and nurtured. And even if women go into the industry, that's with a capital I, it's like another one of the terms in this, they provide their labor for less finance, that's pay. They are almost always paid less for the same industry work. And so like, She's even getting into <laughs> the gender pay gap. And uh, we talked about it. I think it was in a, when we did a Tegra Wagba's book, we should talk, we need to talk about money and about the like free labor yeah. that women do. Yeah. There's a really uh, inspiring or thought-provoking quote from Sheryl Sandberg where she says a truly equal world would be one where women run half our countries and companies and men run half our homes yeah. which is essentially what that uh, extract you've read is saying that, that we don't have that right now yeah. god this is a really pessimistic episode isn't it it is and do you know why because this is our world yeah. So everything we've just said, none of that is about actually a dystopian world. It is very much about 2023, the earth. Mm. <laughs> and so it's almost ironic that she's caught that this is a dystopian, isn't it? Well, did you read the acknowledgements? No, I didn't. Oh, yeah. I had um I listened to the audio actually. Oh, okay. Well, she basically I it's not a spoiler to say. We've been saying the whole time and you'll read it knowing she's like, spoiler alert, clearly not a dystopian, is it? Like she makes it a dystopian by using the words like industry and finance and yeah. mask so that you feel like you're in a dystopian. But actually, we all know exactly what they are and it's what's happening in the world. Yeah. Um, it's really bloody good. I hope we haven't put anyone off reading. <laughs> no, if anything, I think people would be more interested in reading it because it is so on the nose of what's going on. And let's remember as well, it is written for a YA audience so it's not hugely complicated to read it's quite simple in terms of the plot um but it's so yeah it's so smart and so descriptive of what we're going through yeah it's kind of nice to I mean obviously I, I was having a bad time. <laughs> it is really, it's validating almost that, and maybe you haven't even thought about some of it, but she's going to lay it all bare for you. She's going to write it through these characters and it is yeah. aimed at you, the reader, to try and make you wake up and realise you do not have to be a certain way. You do not have to do anything for men or you know all these sorts of things. And so mm. it's absolutely brilliant. Um, it was a fun time to read them both at the same time. <laughs> Um, did you have a favourite of the two? Not that they can be compared, really, but... No. I actually think I preferred the futures, mm -hmm. the future, uh, in terms of the plot. Right. Yeah. And the movie that it's going to be one day. I'm really excited for the movie. <laughs> yeah. What was your favourite? <laughs> it was You Could Be So Pretty. 
yeah because I just love Holly Bourne like I think this is my fifth Holly Bourne anyway yeah um and yeah it was just like I folded so many pages like I just struggled to find the quote because there's honestly so freaking many notes that I've made reading it and I just think yeah. it'd be great for people um both fantastic they've come out at the absolute perfect time of year go read them yeah anything else to add Laura it's a echo <laughs> because they might like to listen as well and if you don't already then follow us on instagram at book for funnily enough more book recommendations see you next week we'll be here